Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Well, today's a special day for our regular listeners. You know, on Tuesday, that's called Travel Tuesday here on the Employment Matters podcast. Each week, we get the chance to dial in our members from all around the world who share with us important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to be learning more about doing business in California. And for our regular listeners, you know that our founder and CEO, Steve Hirschfeld, is our ELA member in California. He's also my boss. And typically, he covers all of the Travel Tuesdays for the U.S. But today, since this is actually his jurisdiction, I have the ball and I get the opportunity to talk to some of his best and brightest. Today, we have Hugh Williams and Ferry Lopez, both partners at Hirschfeld Kramer in San Francisco. Hugh, Ferry, I'm really excited to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Great. This is Hugh. I'm super excited to be here. I'm actually visiting Ferry in the Santa Monica office today. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Peter. So glad that Hugh is here in sunny Southern California. Yeah, we do not have sunny Pennsylvania today. So, uh, <laughs> But let's jump right into it. This is going to be a great discussion. I'd like to talk about, and this is always the topic about, you know, when we're finding out about each jurisdiction is people want to hire people within that jurisdiction. That's why they go to the Employment Law Alliance. That's why they hire our our law firms. But let's talk about California specifically. What should employers be thinking about when hiring someone in California? Hugh, can you kick us off with that? Absolutely. Well, the newest update when hiring someone, especially if you're thinking about running a criminal background check to make sure that they are who they say they are and there aren't any potential issues with hiring them, there's a new regulation that actually took effect last October, October 1st, 2023. And the significant change is that when you're doing a background check, it's got to be post-offer. You've already offered them employment, and then you got to get their consent under federal and California law to run this background check. Now, say you get a ding, you know, something comes up on their background check. What happens is you've got to notify the candidate that you found something on their background check. After you do that, you've got to give the, uh, the candidate five days to respond, right, to give you information as to what happened, where this criminal history came from, et cetera. At that point, now the newest part here is that you as the employer need to do an individualized assessment about the applicant's criminal history. And what that means is you actually have to sit with your folks who are considering hiring this applicant and talk about what they see in that background check. Talk about what's the severity of the offense? When did it happen? You know, how old is this criminal conviction? Who was hurt or what property was damaged? How permanent it was? And you've got to consider mitigating factors. You know, when did this happen? At the time that it happened, was the applicant suffering from some sort of addiction or mental or medical disability? Were they a victim of abuse that potentially caused them to engage in, you know, some sort of criminal activity? You also have to consider if they did time and if they've been rehabilitated, et cetera. Finally, this new, more in-depth, individualized assessment that you need to do when you are considering hiring someone and using their criminal background, it doesn't just apply for new hires. If you run a background check for someone that's transferring to a new position or a promotion, or you're acquiring a company and you're going to have to run background checks for those folks, this individualized assessment is going to be required if you are thinking about considering their criminal history and putting them in this position. 
Wow, that is quite in-depth. And again, I really like the inclusiveness of that. It sounds like we're approaching this in a very transparent way. And I'm sure there's other things we need to know about hiring people, especially once you've offered them the employment. So, Barry, tell us what other things we need to know about when you're offering people employment in California. Yeah, so when thinking about the compensation package, employers should check to make sure the wage rates meet the new minimum wage thresholds and the wage notices to new hires are updated. California has now raised the minimum wage to $16 an hour. And you have to think about the fact that this not only affects your hourly workers, but it raises the minimum salary threshold for your exempt employees as well. So now that's 66560 annually for most exempt workers and a minimum of $115,763.35 for computer software employees. Also, on April 1st, covered fast food restaurant employers will see an increase in minimum wage, as will covered healthcare facility employers on June 1st. The minimum for fast food employees is $20 per hour, and healthcare employees is $23 per hour, which will increase over time to reach $25 by June 1st, 2026. And then regarding wage notices, employers in California are already required under existing law to provide wage and employment notice to new non-exempt hires. They're sometimes referred to as a wage theft prevention notice. This notice must be updated this year to include California's expanded paid sick leave benefits and additional information on an emergency or disaster disclosure. There's also additional information required for federal H-2 agricultural workers. And the DLSE has revised the notice template on its website, so employers should go to their website now and make sure that they're using this new version going forward. Wow. You know, uh... <laughs> I live in Pennsylvania. The minimum wage here is $11 an hour, which is up from $7 and something not so long ago. So there's a definite disparity between what each state offers. And again, living in California is expensive. So getting paid the uh, prevailing wage there certainly makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about the other side of employment and some of the things that employees need in terms of benefits. Ferry, are there anything uh, unique in California with regard to their benefits? Yeah, well, California just expanded their paid sick leave benefits and has now recognized leave entitlements for reproductive loss. So for paid sick leave, California employers will need to increase the amount of paid sick leave provided to employees from 24 hours or three days to 40 hours or five days per year. And for employers that provide paid sick leave on an accrual basis, Paid sick leave may be capped at 80 hours or 10 days, whichever is greater. Also, employees must accrue at least 24 hours of paid sick leave within the first 120 days of employment and at least 40 hours by the 200th day of employment. And in addition to the paid sick leave, employers with at least five employees must now provide their employees up to five days of unpaid time off for reproductive-related losses. Now, these include a miscarriage, failed surrogacy, stillbirth, unsuccessful assisted reproduction, such as artificial insemination or IVF, or failed adoption. And finally, an employee is eligible to take this leave if they work at least 30 days at the time of their request. Wow, that's a great benefit. And again, shows how comprehensive and inclusive that California is when it's thinking of its employees. 
So that sounds great. And uh, I think I'm going to move to California, get a job there. But hypothetically, what happens when it doesn't work out? What do you do when things don't work out? Employee, how do you make them aware that you're separating? You know, give us a general sense of that. Hugh, bring it back in if you would. Thanks, Peter. You know, nobody ever wants to talk about breaking up with their employee, and that's what I call it. Everything's good and great until it's not. So the two things I want to talk about, the first one is a workplace violence prevention plan, and the second is non-compete agreements. So with respect to a workplace violence prevention plan, employers with employees in California must now have a plan in place that is meant to identify and record any potential workplace violence incident and also identify training that's been provided in the workplace. This takes effect again July 1st. So employers have some time to put this plan together and it needs to have a couple specific elements. There's got to be a record keeping log that indicates if there has been a violent incident in the workplace. So this is gonna be akin to your OSHA 300 injury log. So it's just gonna be a spreadsheet that has a date and what sort of incident happened, but it needs to pertain especially to potential incidents of violence. And some of you are thinking, well, gee, we don't have violence in the workplace, but you actually might. If you think about violence in terms of potential threats of violence. So if you have employees who get in a disagreement and one employee threatens the other employee and says, hey, do you want to take this outside into the parking lot or I'm going to kick your, you know, your butt after after work in the parking lot, something like that. That is a threat of violence that should be logged in your violent incident log. You also have to plan and provide effective training to your employees related to workplace violence. You have to train them on how to recognize workplace violence. And then when a new workplace violence threat is recognized, adjust your training accordingly. Now, this sounds very complicated, I understand, and very new to some employers who aren't familiar with this, especially if you're a, an employer from abroad and have employees in California. So I recommend that you, you know, connect with your ELA counsel who can walk you through these new requirements and help you put a plan in place by the deadline July 1st. Moving on to non-competes, a lot of employers in the past will put in a non-compete provision when they're separating from an employee or maybe even in their offer letter contemplating what would happen when this employee is no longer in your employee. However, new California law SB 699 prohibits employers from entering into non-compete agreements or attempting to enforce a non-compete agreement. So what that means is that even non-compete agreements that are valid in other jurisdictions cannot be enforced in California. So that is a huge shift. Generally, non-competes have always been unenforceable in California, but in terms of when an employer in California is implementing it, but now it applies to any non-compete, even if it was signed outside of California, it will not be enforced within this state. The last thing with non-competes is AB 1076 requires employers to review all their existing agreements for current and former employees who were employed after January 1st, 2022. And you have to send a notice via email and mail to these current and former employees saying, hey, you know that agreement that you signed that has this non-compete agreement? That's actually void. Everything else is enforceable, but that provision in that agreement that you signed is no longer enforceable. The deadline to do that is Valentine's Day. So you have a couple weeks 
to touch base with your counsel, look at all your contracts that you signed, and identify any provisions that relate to non-competing or not competing against you as an employer and send out those emails and notices. You've got to do both if you have both their email and their address. Back to you, Pete. Wow. Wow. I guess you could put that in a Valentine's Day card if you wanted to, just to kind of wrap it up. But that is a serious, serious thing that we have to look at. As a matter of fact, everything we talked about just, just helps define why California is larger than most countries and has got an awful lot going on and certainly sets the pace for a lot of what's going on and new statutes and new directives around the country. Hey, this was a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much, Peter. If you'd like to connect with Hugh or Ferry, you can find their bios by clicking on their names in the description of this podcast. Please visit ela.law to receive invitations on our upcoming webinars, download white papers, Get access to our on-demand library or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.